right, Buzz Buzz, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another episode of your favorite podcast or one of your favorite podcasts, or I guess a podcast that you like a little bit. I am here with David Hazan, who I don't know if you guys have heard of this comic book or not, Nottingham, which just floored all of us. You basically had to fight people to get the issues. I think every issue went through five prints. Uh, they just kept printing this thing. We kept buying it because it was so freaking awesome. David is here with me today to talk about this wonderful book. And we're actually time traveling a little bit because it's Sunday here and it's Monday there. He was kind enough to adjust his schedule to talk to us nerds about the secrets of Nottingham and what lies in the forest and what is the real cure when England is sick. David, thank you, man. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing well. I, that, like, that was a great hype up. Can I just like hire you to be my personal hype man? Every, every, just any podcast, not just yours, just anyone. I just want to, I just want that introduction. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I do voicemails, outgoing messages. <laughs> let, let me know what you need, man. Uh, you just know, I, sign I can yourself do up for Cameo right now. Like, <laughs> that is a voice. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, well, honestly, I, I am really excited. I was one of the lucky people that um shout out to comics on the green the, the the shop where i get my comics from like i i you know i i pre-ordered the book i pre-ordered the prints when i saw that they were you know they started doing the additional prints um and i was able to snag them uh without without a hassle um i know i know a lot of people had trouble with it but i was kind of glad that they reprinted them because man the variants that they started pumping out for your book was just like yeah you guys did some cool stuff with those man yeah yeah I, that, that was really exciting to me especially because um I didn't have a lot of warning about what what was going to happen. It, it, it like I found out when it hit previews every time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was kind of a cool thing to be like, hey, like here's another here's another variant, and it's another artist that like I I'm floored by. Like I'm a huge fan of um, uh, Andrea Muti and uh, Ryan mm -hmm. Katie on Infinite Dark. Um, yeah. And when and when I saw that Andrea Muti cover, I was like, hell yeah! And then I uh, got to chatting with him, and that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? So, he seems like a cool dude. Is he cool? He's very cool, <laughs> very nice. very cool. So this this is your first comic, right? Like this was yeah. you. You just like came out of nowhere, batting a thousand. You're like, what's up? You guys want the coolest? <laughs> you, I, like everybody loves Robin Hood, right? Like we all know the story. I um, you know, the new movie wasn't that great, but like I grew up with the cartoon with with Fox Robin Hood, and I love that. Um, Kevin Costner, like uh, Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, man, like that was my jam as a kid like i watched that movie so many times um and then you know robin hood men in tights is is just all kinds of hilarious and i love that but we just we keep getting uh you know new iterations of of this you know very common tale and i've never seen anybody do it like you did man i mean just just raw and mean and gritty and violent and i mean it was just dark it was like nottingham noir right like i mean did did you know like i mean obviously i'm this is your baby this is your story so you like <laughs> you, you want it you're like you know you're like yeah this is good but i mean what what's it like man when you like put a book out and then it sells out and then they print it again and that sells out and then they like number one had five printings man not many comics do that dude no no um <laughs> I think that there's a couple of couple of things there. First of all, 
we had no idea. We, we were like, we believed in the book, but we had no idea that it was going to sell like that. You know, that that is kind of pretty unheard of for two, you know, effectively no-name creators. Shane's got a name for himself making music. That's wild. <laughs> but um, <laughs> me, I'm like, I'm, I'm a complete nobody. Um, and we you know we had so so much fun making the book and it was like uh, you know almost a year before uh we actually saw the first issue come out after finishing the book uh and we you know we had tempered expectations because of the pandemic and everything um and wow like it really kind of took off in a way we had you know we had no idea about I, on reflection, I was like, okay, this makes sense uh, because some people will buy a book just because it's got Superman in it um, and they don't really care what's inside. Mm. Um, it could be, you know, a writer they don't like or an artist they don't like, but because it's Superman, they'll just buy it. Um, and I think there's an element of that to it where where it's got the allure of, of, of being a book about Robin Hood and people will just throw their money at it. But I think that that must have been the lure, the allure of issue one. I think by you know when we're getting second printings on issue four, that's insane. Especially since everybody knows how much to print by issue four. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just because of like if people don't know the mechanics of how Diamond works, you really have to order things a couple of issues in advance of knowing how much they'll sell. Um, and so by issue four, everybody knows how much a thing is going to sell and that's still got a second printing. So yeah, I was just, we're just very, very, uh, happy that people love it. Um, and you know, we're happy we get to keep making it. Yeah. I was really, really pumped when they announced that you guys were going to do volume two on that, the, their web con thing that they do, um, something mad cave does, yeah. um, I actually, so it was funny. I, I had seen the advertisements for your comic uh, and I, I thought the cover was excellent. The art, the previews of the art going around online look great. And, um, but the first issue sold out and I actually won the Mad Cave contest. So like I got the little poster and the issue one for Mad. So I, awesome. I, yeah. So I randomly win this contest. Like I get this comic to read that like, and I, they sent it to me, but I believe before it was out in shops, like I, I'm pretty sure I got it like a few days early. Um, and so like I got I read it and, and reviewed it and loved it. And then like a couple weeks later, uh, Mad Cave, I actually became like a official Mad Cave reviewer and got access to their like online hub that we get to review all yeah. the comics. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I, I stumbled onto your comic, not knowing much about it. And then it blew me away. And then, and then I had it on my pull list instantly. I was like, Hey, I, I, you know, I need this. And then, and then everybody was like fighting over it. I thought issue three, <laughs> like issue three got like underprinted or something. And I remember like the, everybody just really mad on Twitter. Like I didn't get mine, but like, I, 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 was like, well, I was like, I pre-ordered mine and got it. I, I, but I think yeah. a lot of people are still, they still don't get this, the FOC cutoffs and, and pre-ordering. Well, yeah. and stuff. I, I think that, you know, diamond could be a little clearer uh, <laughs> to, to the consumer. I think they actually really should be a little clearer to the consumer. And I get that they're a distributor and they don't really, you know, have responsibilities to the consumer. Although I think now they do because they've decided they're going direct to consumer as well somehow. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
Well, my point is that they could be a little clearer and it probably would be a net positive result for, for the comics community <laughs> at large, especially the retailers, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, you know, I didn't really expect people to be fighting over this book um, in such a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a weird kind of uh, life imitating art kind of way. <laughs> there, uh, there, but, there very was like the the upper like like a like a class separation of like those of us who pre-ordered our books and people just go into the shop expecting to find it. And it, it was like there was like a fucking revolt, man. It was like, yeah, it's very much imitating the the world of Nottingham. That's that's kind of funny. I didn't think about it like that initially. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had uh, had a retailer buddy of mine messaged me and he was like yeah i was intending to pick up a copy but i put them out on the shelf and within six minutes they were gone (laughs) (laughs) all right all right i respect that (laughs) now i understand um yeah it's been it's been a hell of a ride ever since i bet man that's got to be like a a head trip man like your first comic uh everyone everyone i don't i didn't read a bad review of it i mean a couple people maybe said it was like too violent but like grow up um it's like the life is violent nature's violent but i mean yeah there's just the the constant praise uh the great creative team you ended up with the the numerous reprints con variants just the craziness that spawned out of it like that's how's that feel man like you're your 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 first comic, you're a rock star. Just instantly, bam, happens. Yeah, well, I I knew I kind of had to match Shane's energy <laughs> because he already was one. Um, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's weird, like in comics, especially because I haven't been able to kind of get out to cons mm. and have that fan interaction just yet. Like on Twitter, it feels great, but you know, I like indie comics in and of itself is this weird grind where the more success you feel like you've gotten the more like you feel like oh shit i need to uh you know push my output um and uh you know connect with new editors and do new things and and so yeah i don't don't know that it it particularly feels like that from the inside but i get i get I get what it looks like from the outside, but it's not necessarily <laughs> reconcilable with me just sitting here at my computer every day going, how do I, like, how do I push myself? <laughs> um, but, but there has been some traction, which, you know, obviously I can't really talk about just yet because the wheel of comics turns very slowly, mm-hmm. but um, I'm going to be excited to talk about some things next year um that are pretty wild and honestly i was i'm surprised that i can talk as much about as i can about um uh nottingham volume two considering that we're out in november next year um which i had no idea because we're like chunks of the way through this thing uh and then mad cave's like november next year i'm like oh (laughs) okay like that's fine but (laughs) i i thought we were like well ahead of of uh of uh you know maybe coming out earlier next year but obviously like there's a whole load of scheduling these books that mad cave has to do in order to make sure that each of them gets there moment in the sun so you know no hard feelings on that i'm just like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) my heart shattered like a skull that got cracked by little john's club like i I really thought when i first saw that ad i was like november next month already and then i was like oh 2023 i was like damn it 
Like I was, but I yeah. also, I was like, why would you even think like it just ended? Like there's no way they could, like put out a new, a new series like that fast. But yeah, it, it, yeah. I, 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 did, I missed the, I missed the year mark when I first saw the November solicit for that, for that new cover, that new Shane uh, uh, image that dropped, but. Oh yeah. boy. <laughs> and I, I don't think I'm spoiling too much, but he's for the covers for uh, volume two, uh, which is renumbered and it's got a new title called Nottingham uh, a King's Ransom um, and each of the covers has that same style and it's like one big uh, image each of the I guess first printing covers because we have no idea if we're getting any more than that but um, I should hope so uh, and it's got this like Shane is like just this big, big brain idea where it's like all of the blacks have this like um like a norman tapestry like embedded in them and it's got he's got like a norman tapestry version of the merry men mask and i just like I, when i saw it i was like oh people are gonna love this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's yeah. insane like i've his art is just floors me every time like that was part of like i love your story the dialogue the your pacing and everything like it, it's wonderful uh every every issue was like I had to remind myself to to slow down and appreciate the art um, and slow down and occasionally slow down and and appreciate your dialogue and stuff. Uh, but I mean, it's just so gritty. And, and like I like I mentioned earlier, it's just it's like it's like mean and nasty, but in like a really good like, I mean that in like the best way. It's it's just is it's very hard to describe his art. It's very like angular and fierce and and the the you know like and and, and the the women are a little bit softer, but like even Marion, man, like she's she's not the Marion we knew from the past. It's softer, but like not 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 in a way you should trust. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the way I put it. Like it's definitely uh you know a facade when he draws women it looks like that they're going to be the soft target but you know that they're not like mm. you, you can tell something is off when you when you when you uh, you know look at his especially his marion art and let me tell you the art on volume two wow like you know three level ups since since last you saw shane's art because obviously you know when you're reading issue one that's shane's 2019 and 2019 art when you read issue five that's shane's you know early to mid 2020 art it's a whole other level uh, and if you want to see the next level of development before you hit volume two you should probably pick up uh grim tales from the cave uh there's a story in there uh from shane and uh anthony cleveland that is great i'm really excited that for up. that yeah um, yeah i already have they uh the, the, the mad cave art i got it, it but yeah it's um I, i'll definitely be reviewing it on the blog and talking about it but yeah I, i'm uh I you I can always tell like a book is really good like when I get a copy of it that, to review and and I'm so lucky to, to do that people give me advance releases and I'm I'm lucky to be in this weird comic journalism circle now uh, and but yeah like sometimes man like I get stuff and I'm like you know I'm like okay I can wait for the trade and every now and then I'll be like oh nope I have to get this issue one or this variant and this is one that this collection like i have to have that that book like it needs to be on my shelf i'm super stoked for it 
um I, the the creatives in it are just phenomenal like it, and it's oh, coming yeah. out like coming out during like right right just before halloween and yeah i'm i'm really excited for it are you in there yeah, yeah. no i'm not in that um i've been busy on other things suffice <laughs> to say <laughs> um yeah the timing just didn't work out uh i think for mad cave so they they didn't approach me for that but they've mm. approached me for some other things so that's um, cool yeah some big things which i cannot <laughs> talk about um yeah but you know maybe when we stop recording i'll give you a little hint but. <laughs> <laughs> nice awesome um so that's so how like how did you how did this happen like like we talked about earlier this is your first comic a great success i mean were uh were you were you writing like before that like short story like do you have like a short story collection or novels or, or like where's what's your what's your uh writer origin story yeah i have a writing background um i you know i, I went to school for it um uh and I, you know, I have, I'm one of those people who has a bucket load of like half finished novels just sitting (laughs) somewhere on a drive that will never see the light of day. And I've gone back and I've looked at those things. I'm like, this work great as a comic. Um, There's something I think about my brain that, that makes uh, it more, makes it just makes it easier for me to write comics than it ever was for me to write prose. Okay. I think, you know, some people are just geared that way, but also like from a practical perspective, um, I, you know, I work as a lawyer. Um, so what I used to do, I, most of Nottingham was written to and from work on, on public transport. Um, and I would just, you know, sit there, uh, you know, on, on my laptop, on the, on the bus or the train, just, hacking away at bits and pieces because you can do a couple of pages on the way to work or on the mm-hmm. way home from work. And um, it, it just, from a practical perspective, it fit into my life in a way that writing a novel really never could. Um, and um, I, I entered Mad Cave's talent search. So I, I guess I should probably backtrack because um, telling stories is a thing that I do, but apparently I cannot do it verbally in a logical fashion <laughs> hey linear <laughs> linear storytelling is done man like no one wants that shit anymore <laughs> bounce around we're good <laughs> okay okay um so i guess how i got into comics is probably a, a thing that you know people might enjoy um i've been really into reading comics um for about three three odd just a little over three years um, my parents never really encouraged it because they were of the mindset that comics were, you know, a, an immature medium for children. And so they never really encouraged it. Um, but I was always into superhero media. Like I was low-key obsessed with Smallville, at, you know, during during my teenage years. Like that was the show. Um, everyone else was watching Supernatural and here's me going, but Smallville! Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know that evolved into other shows like heroes and like i was absolutely in love with all these things but never really reading comics Hmm. um and in hindsight wow i was an idiot um (laughs) but uh i used to talk a lot about all of this superhero related media with colleagues of mine who eventually got sick of it uh and to shut me up started shoving comics in my hands and um, to whom I will be forever grateful uh, and who are my actually my biggest cheerleaders in this. Um, and some of them write comics themselves, but I'll, you know, I'll let them 
hype themselves up for that and I won't, <laughs> I won't go into <laughs> names here. But, um, you know, they were lovely enough to shove a copy of That Woman Elegy in my hands, knowing mm. that it was like almost a book perfectly tailored for me. Um, and that was really the gateway drug. Uh, like here, here have this like super poetic uh, comic about a, a queer Jewish superhero. Go, go nuts. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, oh, oh, wow. Uh, uh, this is, you know, this, I can see me on the page. And that was like the huge revelation moment. Uh, and I'm tumbling down the rabbit hole. And then I hit, you know, like Bendis, Tom King. Uh, and, it, the, you know, the, 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 the snowball had uh, succeeded in, in uh, creating enough volume for me to be like, <laughs> I'm, I'm in this. And then when I was like, all right, well, I'm in this. Um, you know, because of my obsessive personality, I'm like, why, why not just start writing comics? Uh, and I had a crack at it. Um, and the first book I wrote, uh, we now finally potentially found a publisher for it, which is exciting. <laughs> so like going back to this first book that I wrote now, um, and, uh, sort of in this process, I was writing comics for a few months, saw the Mad Cave Talent Search, and was like, all right, I'll have a go at this. Um, and I wrote a story in which I killed almost all the battle cats because uh, <laughs> nothing says I love your comics more than murdering your babies. Um, <laughs> and apparently, like, Mark and uh, Chris and Chris um, agreed. Uh, and, uh, you know, here we are. They were like... Uh, Waking up, I waking. I so I almost missed the deadline. By the way, <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night, going, "Damn it! I didn't send that." <laughs> I sent it. Oh wow! <laughs> and then you know, waking up to that email because uh, a lot of my comics emails hit me in the middle of the night. I you know, I woke up and saw the email in the middle of the night. I was like, oh, yeah, put my phone down, went back to sleep, not really think, thinking much about it. And I wake up in the morning like, oh, shit. That's awesome. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. Um, I love and, you know, that Mad Cave does that. I love that they do that talent search deal. I, 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 wish, more, great I wish more publishers did that. Yeah. 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 Uh, like. Uh, I know uh, Top Cow does one. Um, I'm not sure about other publishers, um, but uh, you know I respect the hell out of Mad Cave for, for doing that because you know otherwise I wouldn't have this fantastic career, um, and so many of my friends as well would not have their fantastic careers. Um, and you know look at what comes from inviting new talent in. You get books like Dryfoot and Villainous mm -hmm. and Stargazer and Shows End, and like that doesn't happen uh, like that really in 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 the world of comics. You know you grind, you do short story after short story after short story, and then from there you maybe get a one shot or you maybe manage to pitch something in that is yours and it, it's like it was such a great introduction to the world of comics because you kind of it was like a handheld process through the whole thing <clears throat> and that was really like the biggest gift as well because <clears throat> even when you manage to get your book in with a publisher let's say you've pitched a creator own thing right it is an uphill battle to get the thing made as well. Mm. So once you get the green light, um, then you have to get the thing made. And it just, it's such a, it's a struggle, you know, um, contending with artists and letterers and colorists. And you, it like, 
I say this to a lot of people, but 80% of this job is not actually writing comics. And to be able to uh, put that all that whole 80% to one side and for Mad Cave to go here, just just write comics. Like that is the the biggest the biggest gift of all, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that uh, like finding a colorist is apparently one of the most difficult like when you're like assembling your your own team kind of like for kickstarter or something like that i've heard that like you know you it's 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 easy to like or it's not easy but it's easier to find an artist you click with um you know uh you know there's there's a ton of letters that are always aching for work you know you know so and then and the the guys that I mean, you know, a lot of people, a lot of letters have like recognizable names that where you would be like, yes, I want this guy on my book because he he makes the, you know, they they know how to organize it and and where to and placement and all that good stuff. But it's like colors, um, it's they they can change so much, like with what the colorist does, uh, you know, going from like you know pencils and inks to to the you know the different hues and and controlling the tone and the mood and stuff and so like in a few of these interviews like people have been like no man like it was exhausting like we looked at so many people we talked to so many people and then like yeah. and, and then sometimes you'll like find someone and maybe you can't afford it or you know or maybe like the deadlines don't or, or the availability doesn't match up and so yeah i could for them to like help out with that like that that sounds awesome they seem like yeah. really good people over there yeah and uh like shout out to Luca who I as an idiot have not mentioned as yet uh, <laughs> Luca Romano also our colorist on Nottingham and by far like our biggest hype guy um, for the book uh, he you know you have a good colorist when they are that invested in the story um, and uh, I just sent uh, Luca some like story stuff and uh he just, you know, when, when you get a colorist who sends me, you made me cry, you beautiful bastard. It's like, <laughs> it's nice. You know, you've got a winner. Um, because I think colorists are really the most, un, and, you know, like people might tear me down on Twitter for this, but um, uh, because there's this weird thing, like discourse about pitting different kinds of creators against each other. But I think colorists are really one of the most unsung uh, heroes of, of, of this, uh, of this medium because, you know, like it's a hard gig uh, and just takes a whole lot of time. Um, people don't really respect it um, as much as they should. Uh, and yeah, I just, it, it, it's, it, it's a really tough gig. And I, I don't think really uh, people realize that, that, yeah. and it changes the, the, the feel of, of, of a book so much. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I think, you know, it, you, whenever you get an opportunity to shout out your colorists, do it because they will love you for it. Um, and then they will come and work on the next thing with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you need, you need to keep keep Luca happy, man. He's, he seems yeah. like a really good dude, too. But yeah, he's the, just your whole team. Like the and that's one of my favorite things about comic books. I, I call it like the, the magic of like comic creation is. Um, you know, so I, I have an MFA background. I've, I've, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I dropped out when I was right before I started my thesis because life got in the way and crazy stuff happened. But uh, so I spent a few years in an MFA program, uh, went back and forth between poetry and prose. Um, I used to write a lot of nonfiction essays and short stories. And, uh, but you know, it's like writing, you know, is very different, you know, as like when you're writing prose, you know, you're like hunched over 
I wasn't a Starbucks writer, right? I didn't want to, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I needed to sit in a cafe so that people like knew I was writing. Like I never really understood like that kind of trope, but you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's solitary, you know? And um, that was one of the nice things about grad school is like you're with other writers, but I think the cool part of comics is it's, it's not solitary. You know, it's like you have this team and you're all doing different things to make this, this piece of art this awesome new form of or it's not a new form of literature but a, a, an alternate form of literature and storytelling um and and everybody's you know giving feedback and you know kind of you know in their own inputs and stuff and then it, it you know you, you turn into this like nerd family and you produce this awesome story like yeah, I, I just think it's cool man it's like it's a beautiful thing and, yeah, and you yeah, don't get that in a lot of other stuff no no and uh, i think there are in other collaborative media, say, for instance, you know, film, television, there's a lot of degrees of separation between the people making the decisions and the people doing the work. And a lot of the time, the, the people doing the work don't necessarily have the, I, I guess, uh, the creative input uh, into, into the actual final product. But here, you know, there's like everything's everyone's so close to it. Um, and it's, you know... It's about uh, leaning on other people's strengths. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times now I say, Shane, what do you want to draw? What do you want to draw? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and like, it's, it's like such a great um, generator of story ideas. Uh, and I don't think I'm spoiling really anything by saying, like, I asked Shane, like, Shane, actually, no, this time Shane drew a, a pinup of, uh, uh, of, uh, the sheriff in, in like a snow setting. I was like, Hey man, it's really cool. And he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to like draw an issue of Nottingham that's in the snow. And I'm like, all right, we'll see what I can do. Um, and like, it took me six months to find a way to make it work, but we found <laughs> a way to make it work. <laughs> It's a really cool idea, and I can't wait for like people to see it. Hopefully, um, holy shit, winter is coming again, but this time to Nottingham. That's epic. I'm so, yeah, I'm so, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. So on the collaborative effort, uh, and and with editors and stuff, one of the things that really just blew my mind, uh, in your in your non normative uh, scripting and storytelling was you never it you never like clearly define a protagonist and antagonist your two main characters kind of go back and forth because we're grown we, we, we were we're grown we're raised to believe that the sheriff is evil that the establishment is evil that you know like it's it's the rich people versus the poor people but your narrative um very much toys with that idea and and messes with the reader on who the villain is and who the hero is and the people that we think should be our hero aren't necessarily acting very heroic until the final yeah. issue like you kind of you confront that with with robin hood uh, or, or with 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 loxley um towards the end but like did anyone mess with you like were did they did anyone like try and argue about that because i like i'm glad you didn't change anything if they did but i i feel like an editor would be like uh like i'm a little confused like i don't know like I, that interests me a lot in every issue that i read I think uh, both uh, Chris Fernandez and Brian Hawkins, who uh, shepherded different kind of different parts of the book, but uh, uh, the bulk of it was Brian. But uh, for the first three or so issues, 
we had uh, Chris uh, as well. And I think they both uh, really understood what I was trying to get at. And it was really easy because like before the bulk of the edits came back, they knew like uh, within a couple of weeks of, of, of the idea, uh, I had the full outline um, mm. and that kind of gave a lot of that away. And they were like, great, go for it. Um, okay. And they really just unleashed me on this thing. Um, uh, Brian especially is great about detail and he'd be like, okay, well, why is this person doing this? And, but it's, it's, he understood what I was getting at. Uh, And I think that's the the beauty of great editing really is allowing a creator their voice and making sure that voice comes through in his greatest possible form. Um, So like with, with a bigger property, you know, with Marvel and DC, there's a lot of other things that editors have to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, they have to consider if it's on tone and message for the brand and uh, how it affects all these other books. So sometimes letting the creator's voice through is like a lower concern for them than making sure that the Marvel or DC brand is is pushed through. But when you're working in indie comics, it's it's a because it's markedly indie. It's about letting the creator's voices shine through, and that's you know that's what a great editor in indie comics does and i've had a wonderful experience so far so hopefully not jinxing it but um (laughs) yeah it's it's been fantastic um and nobody really sorry (laughs) nobody really told me you know this character uh, doesn't make sense so you need to have like a traditional protagonist um i've heard from like and some of the reviews and i've heard from people that they like it, it threw them that they weren't quite sure who who to root for and i was like that that's the that's the point guys <laughs> that's the point sometimes yeah i think uh a lot of the time especially with the age of the internet people confuse uh something that they either haven't seen before or something that is a, as a flaw which is actually a critique of that same thing and it's very yeah it's very interesting to see people like uh struggle with that um and i don't necessarily think that i i you know i put out a book that was like so overly complex or heady that people couldn't get that that was the point um but it's interesting to see how people react to things and you can kind of adjust your approach to how people react to things. But also I should mention that if you feel like you've gotten a resolution uh, about who is who on issue five, you might want to think again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I really appreciated it. Um, Like I said, it, it just um, like, you know, a lot of things happened in the narrative that happened in, in these iconic Robin Hood tales that we grew up with, you know, and it, and it all, it ends with the, the, the archery competition, right. Which, you know, like we've all, we've seen that, uh, that's, that happened, that plays out in like every movie or narrative, but you just put your own spin on each element of the story. And I was just wildly fascinated with it. And, and it reads different as a trade. It, like I, I really, I dug it both ways, like getting it month to month and, and like thinking about it, you know, in between those down in the, in between the downtimes between releases and then rereading it again as, as five issues. And, and it happens, it happens a little more naturally just cause you can binge it. Right. But 
I just was like, I very much appreciate risk takers in storytelling. And this was a to take a, a name like Robin Hood and be like, well, what if Robin Hood was kind of an asshole? And what if the sheriff of Nottingham was was just a guy trying to do his job who's like suffering from PTSD from the Crusades, which is an element that I never even thought about. I love that, man. That was so smart. But just to kind of turn that narrative on its head and and switch stuff up a little bit and make it your own and make it new and make it very relevant to today's society, kind of where it's like us versus them, which we, you know, and like the haves and the have nots and to just kind of portray that differently. Um, I'm just really, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad it came out the way it did. Like it was, it was just so cool. And, and I, I, it was interesting though, issue to issue where it was like, who do I root for? Who do I want to win? You know? And, and it, I liked how you made us as readers second guess ourselves um, and think about it more intensely than, then yeah, just like, you know, a traditional like cookie cutter comic, which this is not, you know, and, and I, and I love you for it. Like, it was a great, the decision-making yeah. on all your parts, like absolutely for a reason is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thank you. And like, it, it's, it's interesting to see how people have reacted to that. Um, mainly because I assumed because I was, this was comics, people would be accustomed to this, like this idea of taking, um, a hero and turning it on its head or taking a villain and making them the protagonist was one that uh, I guess is so essentially comics that I was like, when, when my brain hit it, I was like, this is it. Like this mm -hmm. makes so much sense. Um, uh, you know, anybody who, you know, has read a decent amount of comics should, you know, understand that that's, you know, that's a way to refresh an idea and make it interesting um, is to tell it from the perspective of the villain. And I think, what really hit that home for me was I read uh, in quick succession all like 12 odd issues of uh, Bendis's run on infamous Iron Man and it's just got doom as Iron Man. I was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and everyone was suffering from Iron Man fatigue because of the movies. And also doom is such a like magnetic kind of villain that uh, it, it's not hard to like root for him, even though he's a complete and total narcissist. Um, <laughs> And, and like I and the idea of him trying to do the right thing, not really knowing how was just superb to me. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and that was kind of like where one of the germs for the idea came from. Um, so I was pretty happy with that. And I had a big brain idea about exactly why uh, history has treated our sheriff the way it has. And we will be exploring that in issue uh, in volume two. Uh, so prepare yourselves for that. I'm very excited about explaining why history remembers uh, Ev as like this kind of greedy, ineffectual um i guess tool of the oppressor and i'm really really excited about <laughs> doing that um for reasons which will become clear when you read volume two. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a long year man look i mean look, um, luckily we're we have plenty of other comics to read over the year but yeah i'm, I'm just glad he, i remember like when it got announced that you guys were coming back and how excited i was and i was having to i was really bummed too because i was 
I don't know why they always do these online cons during like working hours, you know, like started oh. it, you know, cause like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, cause it happened at like 11 or 12 or, or something like, but I like, I'm working. And so I work from home and I get calls and stuff. And so like, I'm trying to listen, they got, they got all you guys like on, on a Skype zoom call <laughs> thing. Right. And I'm like super hyped for it. And, and they're doing like the giveaways, you know, and I'm trying not to miss the giveaway. And then I had to keep muting you guys and then answer a call. And then like, try not to like rush a customer to be like Will you just <laughs> shut up so i can get back to nottingham please um, and so but i'm like it's funny and uh dc like well dc might do their deal on a weekend now they're they're online con but yeah it just seems like all these they they like get you guys together and it's like it's like it's a thursday at noon like okay like everybody who buys your comic is working so we can buy comics like so it's just funny but yeah i, I mean they you can watch it later of course but there's the you know the, the giveaways and stuff made it beneficial it's more exciting live i i agree yeah. and, and you have to complain about the timing to me because it's usually like 3 or 4 a.m and i'm like uh <laughs> <laughs> But by Nottingham, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a gremlin at <laughs> 3 a.m. going, buy my book. Uh, and like having to perform at that time is like not not super great proposition to me to the point where I was like last time I was like, I – I don't think people have really seen me at a at a like a normal hour. Even like <laughs> nine a.m. is is too early for me here. But I'm like I'm doing it because it just fit my schedule. But yeah. like I wonder what a Nottingham stream would be like if you know it was in my afternoon time. <laughs> it, would, it would be so much more enjoyable for me. I feel <laughs> oh, that's man. what it's all about. It's about me. When, when, <laughs> when volume two starts out, like so, I, I'm sure you'll remember this. But like my vacation renews every November or like late November. So like when volume two comes out, like talk to me and I will, I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and interview you. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll do whatever we got to do when that issue drops and we will get, we'll get David 100, like, like <laughs> five in charge and ready to fucking go. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm down for that. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited for, for the, for the next year. And, you know, I'm probably going to be, I'll just, I'll just probably put up posts about on Twitter over, over the course of the year about the things that I can talk about when I can talk about them so that I can talk about them with lovely people like you, who, <laughs> you know, who dedicate your time to making sure that like we sell our books. And, you know, I'm also very grateful for that. It's like this community is so wild uh, apart from the certain, uh, uh, you know, abhorrent part, like sections of the community who shall remain nameless on this, yeah. <laughs> on, on this cast. <laughs> Everyone is so supportive and like there's this weird narrative that like you're competing against all these other writers or all these other artists for work. Mm-hmm. The only the only thing that I have ever gotten out of uh, connections with other writers, like specifically is support extra knowledge about how to work the industry and just like like extra knowledge about how to make good comics i just i don't understand that narrative that like everybody is pit against each other this industry is is like so wildly collaborative and and supportive that i you know i have only had you know net positive uh, interactions 
with people uh, who are at my level, below, above, uh, who are writers or artists. And I just like it's so exciting to yeah. to get a different perspective on your on your on your stuff from somebody who knows the insides of the industry. Like is it, it's it's invaluable. And anybody who treats everybody else as competition is majorly losing out on valuable perspectives. And that just sounds exhausting. Like if everybody without a doubt if, exhausting. If everybody's the enemy. Like oh, man, I'm already sleepy a lot, dude. I can't. I can't add paranoia to that. <laughs> That's too much. I can't deal with it. Uh, it's not paranoia. It's just like, and, and I get that sometimes the, like the grind of, of like pitching and stuff makes you feel like the people that you are um, on the same level as, I guess, uh, like people who you constantly have to compete with, mm. but it's not that it's not, uh, especially if you're trying to do different things, it's not that it's the exact opposite because your work will complement their work. And a publisher can look at this thing and go, okay, I want one of those and one of those and one of those. And all of a sudden you have like a publishing slate, which is super diverse, uh, and, uh, appeals to a whole bunch of different people. And if you, sorry, I've accidentally shaken my, in my gesturing, I've shaken my <laughs> camera. <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. I talk, like I talk with my hands and I'll hit the mic and then I have to like, and like when I'm editing it, like my little synth wave, like you'll see this like, I'm like oops, sorry. <laughs> and, and yeah, I think, I think people really lose out by, by viewing everybody as the enemy. So, um, you know, like people like uh, you know Stony uh, Williams of Villainous, Jared Luhan of um, Dryfoot, um, David Galliano uh, of Savage Bastards, Liesel Buenaventura of um, books. The name of the book has escaped me with um, the uh, alien who comes to Earth, and I'm gonna get in real oh, trouble for that one. Wait, Starga Stargazer? No, 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 no. The other one, the it's the old ages one. Oh. Uh, they fell from the sky. Oh, that okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Just like <laughs> hey, we such... can, I'll, I'll clean this up, man. We'll be... <laughs> no, <problem. laughs> no, I don't think I think uh, I, it, it'll look really bad, but you know, like Lizzle's lovely, uh, you know, and she's she's the only one that's kind of like close to on my side of the world. She's in the Philippines. Um and like her writing journey has just started, but she's been a colorist professionally for like a decade. Uh, and that's awesome. Um, so if you've ever read, if you've ever read um, Stabity Bunny from Scout Comics, that's yeah. all her coloring. Um, she's fantastic. Uh, and just all of these people who I like never would have connected with, uh, who I now like, you know, we have, we have somewhat of a support network and I'll check in on them every, you know, every couple of weeks and say, Hey, how are you going? Like, what's up? And it's just uh, like having people to vent about comics with is also fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, like a lot of us do not have that in our like day-to-day -day lives. Like not many of my, like my close friends are really into comics because I never really grew up with it. Like yeah. I don't have necessarily a lot of friends who I can connect on that level with uh, nerd stuff for sure. Big and same. like, yeah, but I think also uh, just noticing that you and I must have done the like mustache shave at the same time. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Was uh, it a shaving accident for you? Because it was for me. Um, uh, no, it's it's um it I've. I so I'm I've been lazy. I usually make my own beard oil and beard product. Uh, there was a time when, when I was gonna do a uh, uh, big uh, big boy beard co. I was gonna like do my own like, uh, and well, I was spending a lot of like anyway. Long story. I uh, it was itch, it was itching real bad, and so I was I was just like one day I was like fuck it, and then I like. I went all the shaving and I was like, man, I was like, I don't, I look like a giant baby. And then I was like, I at least got to leave the mustache. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll probably, now that it's like fall winter's approaching, I'll, I'll let it go back out again. Probably. Listen, if you ever want to do that line of beer products, I have great ideas about directions to market it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I'm down, man. <laughs> I spent so much money on, I mean, not so much money, but like getting like, like shea butter, cocoa butter, like all this different stuff. I'm, I make really good beard oil. I haven't got the balm down yet. Like the balm is like too, I think I use too much beeswax. Like I, I, I almost turned it into like a mustache wax instead of like a beard balm. So like, I'm like, I was like kind of learning and then, and then I got lazy and the, that's what, that's just things I, I get lazy and stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't ever have to buy my own beard stuff anymore. Cause I just like, when I run out, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll make some more. But yeah, so it, it got itchy and I didn't have product on me and I got irritated. Uh, cause I was just like, like, like I'm a drug addict or something. I was just always like, Arr. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm familiar <laughs> with the, yeah, <laughs> with the beard itch. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's cause I, I was real big and then, but even then, man, it's just like, like I'm bald. So like, <laughs> it's like you wake up in the morning and like half of my face is out this far and the other half, cause you know, from sleeping on my side and it's just like, I'm like, man, like I shave, I, I, I shave my head cause I lost my hair. But like I still have to like before I go anywhere I have to like straighten and brush my beard and like yeah. I was like what my, am I doing? mine is just like it gets so dense that like and like no amount of like brushing and straightening uh really helps it's just <laughs> it just becomes like a, a nest on my face <laughs> like okay it's time to like bring it back in but I like went too far on one side and I was like all right yeah. <laughs> let's get rid of it but like it's been like maybe three or four days and we're already back to this so the, <laughs> that's, you a know, three, the one, that's a four-day shadow good god yeah man. <laughs> the one blessing of um of uh, my moroccan genetics is that the beard grows back fast ah. on the downside though i get stopped at every single airport so <laughs> <laughs> oh. you know swings and roundabouts <laughs> <laughs> The double, the double-edged blade of having yeah. gorgeous facial hair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Um, so, so you've got some stuff in the oven that we necessarily can't mm -hmm. talk about, but I am really excited for that because I was, um, I really like your writing. So, like, that's Thank I'm you. glad. I'm glad you've got some other other projects going uh i wanted to hop back you mentioned like the the solidarity of indie comics and so like i do a lot of work with with kickstarter people and everybody and like kickstarter is like this hippie drum circle where everybody's just there to like support each other like it's crazy yeah. 
Um, it, it, it's kind of like the embodiment of the idea that you know a, a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, because and like so, so much of uh, and and it really works that way too, as far as I understand it. I've never I've never done a Kickstarter. Um, I am you know terrified of the idea, and you know maybe we'll one day get back to it. But for the moment, I've got enough on my plate. Um, thankfully, um, because that is you know somewhat of a rarity in in this business but yeah. uh, between between the day job and uh <laughs> i've and comics i have plenty to do uh which is filling my time while i'm still in lockdown um and you know i'm very thankful for that um but yeah i i would love to to do a kickstarter and i've seen it i've certainly been there to support you know, friends and other people who I think are running some like great Kickstarters for some great books. And uh, yeah, I, I've, you know, I very much respect that solidarity and the hustle that it takes to make those Kickstarters happen because I love uh, the hustle because they come on my show. They're, they're like, <laughs> Look, I'll come on your show whenever. <laughs> like, it's not, you know, it, this has been so like lovely and enjoyable chatting to you. Um, and, and it's rare for me to find uh, a, a podcast where it's not enjoyable to like talk to the person. Um, and if I do, I just like talk about Nottingham and, you know, that's that. And, and we go our separate ways, but um, you know, I, you know, I love going back on, 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 uh, on a podcast after I've already, you know, done one round and it's, it's just like really great settling back in and telling people where I'm at. And like, yeah, yeah I, I, it's, it's like, it's an integral part of that of the whole ecosystem that is indie comics. Yeah, yeah, I love. I'm sure, it. you know, I, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm. It's still new. Like I was doing so for a long time. You know, basically, I like we talked about earlier. Like uh, my real life friends don't aren't into comics. Like they'll the movies sometimes. Um, I I took it as a big compliment. A lot of my friends are listening to the podcast, but they like listening because we talk about other stuff than comics. They're like, Oh, I just, they're like, I thought all you guys would do is talk about like, you know, like what happened on this page and that page. And they're like, no, you guys like, it's funny. And you guys laugh. And so they'll like entertain me and, and listen to my, and my family likes, you know, listens to it. And I, I know my family's like, what are they talking about? But you know, they, they still do that, but I don't have the, the, I can't talk about comics I read with people. Like it, I, I don't have that in my life. And so I found that on Twitter and, and now, you know, like on Twitter, I started just talking about comic books and then people invited me on some podcasts and I said, no, cause I was like shy. And then, and then I started doing it. And then, <laughs> then I was like, man, I was like, well, I mean, I worked in a bar for seven years. So like I was used to like kissing ass for tip money. Right. Like I, I had to talk to strangers all the time and, 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 you know, deal with that. And so, and I talk on the phone all day for work. So it's like, I'm pretty good at talking to people and like, and I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to have someone on the show that I'm like, if I don't like your comic, like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> so I found, I found that like, I kiss just the right amount of ass where it's like, it's not awkward, but like, you guys like talking to me. So I find like this good medium and, and then, you know, and then, you know, we start talking about regular shit, like beard and beard oil. And, and then who knows what's going to happen. Right. You know, we're just yeah. here for whatever. <laughs> But yeah, I love it. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm, I can say like, I'm super lucky. You know, I get, I get access to a lot of advanced release stuff. A lot of Kickstarter guys come to me and, um, you know, as a, as a writer and a literary nerd, it's so cool to talk, you know, storytelling and pacing and 
and characterization, you know, and, and I keep a notebook, I'm stealing everybody's ideas. I'm going to put out the best uh, comic book one day. Right? <laughs> that's, what, what is it like, just like, uh, you know, the computer generated amalgam of all these ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like super terrible, but entertaining to read. That's going to be the, the Blake Morgan yeah. comic that comes out. In a couple <laughs> years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's cool. Like, I mean, I didn't even get this in grad school when I was like paying for it like you know i got to talk to writers sometimes but they most of them were classmates and then you know a couple times a year we'd have guest lecturers and and now i'm i'm talking to like people i'm talking to people every week like i did two interviews today and i got to talk to two awesome writers and had a blast doing it and it's just like life's crazy man like and and every week more people download the show that's what freaks me out like i i enjoy talking and then it's it's crazy to see like like my show is growing and like more people are listening it's just like wow yeah. who would have yeah, thought look, i i uh, <laughs> i think honestly podcasts like this um are a huge part of how i learned about like learn to write comics because it's it's another it's it's one thing to just like read comics it's another thing to learn about scripting and the like the art of writing comics and the um and the kind of the theory of writing comics and also from in a sense the you know the art of networking in comics um and i listened to a hell of a lot of word balloon uh oh they're they're amazing it's like so good um and um uh, like that in itself was was like worth any amount of 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 actual like formal schooling in comics i feel um between that um the reading I was doing and being thrown in the deep end with Mad Cave, like that, you know, I, it's, 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 you know, more than equivalent to any sort of formal training that one could have. And, you know, that's like a huge gift. Yeah. Yeah. World uh, word balloon is like, I, I like, I'm not, I don't like, you know, we do, I'm not the only interview podcast, obviously, but like they are, I, I've always loved listening to them and, it's just, it always amazed me where like when you could read like a really cool comic and then like do like a search and then like get to hear that person talk about that comic and like, and, and then also like kind of just get to get to know them in, in a, in a kind of like informal way. Right. Because, you know, like writing is, you know, yes, you separate yourself from the story too, but writing is also, it's very personal and it's very intimate. And like, it's very hard to talk about writing and not talk about yourself and not talk about, you know, where you came from and how you got here. And so it's so, it's so cool. Like, like listening to like, say like Chip, Chip Zdarsky or listening to a Tom King interview. And it's just like, you know, it's funny because you like build these ideas up about these people because he's like, these are icons of the industry and you like yeah. look up to them. Yeah. And then, and then you like listen to them talk and they make like dick and fart jokes and they're really funny. And then you're like, whoa, like they're just like people, they're talented people, but they're people, you know, yeah. you kind of, yeah. you kind of forget that sometimes I think. Yeah. Um, and like also a lot of you guys who do these podcasts and, you know, I, I may be specifically calling out word balloon for this, but you know, it applies generally. It's that, um, you know, do you have this fantastic skill of making me interested in things that I've never thought I would be interested in? <laughs> John at Word Balloon specifically, I have like zero, like honestly less than zero interest in the idea of boxing. But I could sit there and listen to him and uh, say Brian Edward Hill talk about boxing and talk about creed, like an hour and be entertained, be interested 
um, it'll surprise you to know that I'm a, I'm a pacifist. <laughs> but like the idea of fighting sports is just like not super not super for me. But um, uh, but yeah, I, it's it's just like this amazing skill to like make people interested in something that they you know had never considered even being interested in. Uh, and sit there and listen to an hour of talking about it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the the guy, um, the the guy who uh, Zach who did my uh, podcast uh, music. Um, he, you know, he he did like a a couple like listens just because he's like, oh, this guy's using my music as his intro and outro. And then now he's like, he's like, dude, I listen to you every week at work. Like he's like, I don't ever read comics, but it's just he's like, it's fun to listen to you guys talk. And and I I don't know, I just I think that's cool. Like. Uh, and I'm hoping maybe one day he will pick up something. He'll be like, oh, this sounds cool. Maybe I'll check it out. Because I like to think that, you know, like when I hype people up, like, you know, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, more people. I don't I don't know who else hasn't heard of Nottingham. If there's some little like how they know about Blake's buzz, but don't know about Nottingham would, would blow me away. But, you know, like, you know, you got the trade coming out November 3rd. And, you know, for the for the trade waiters that, you know, finally get to experience this thing that. Everybody's yeah, been absolutely. It's already out digitally, by the way. So if you want to pick it up on Comixology or whatever digital outlet I think you use, I think drive through is another one or just Mad mm-hmm. Cave's website. You could do that now it's already out um as for the uh, the print version it was slightly delayed uh we now have a new date of november 3rd um which i'm very excited to actually get them in my hands hopefully in the next couple of weeks i'll be able to you know hold them tenderly but we'll see. <laughs> um the postal service here has also been like crazy in lockdown delayed so oh, yeah which is understandable um, from one perspective, but I won't get into the politics of why it's not understandable because <laughs> I could talk for an hour about that. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm excited too. Well, I think Mad Cave puts out good trades. I, you know, they, I, they care about the products they print, you know, so there's, they're just, they're just nice quality, you know, nice, nice pages, good, good feel to page turn that spine's not going to fall apart when you open it, you know, like they, things that can sometimes happen with with uh cheaper trade paperbacks mad cave does not do that and i what i learned recently was like so if if you you if you like pre-order the trade you get like a digital code too right so you get like both you get the physical I, I, they were I'm, doing that I'm not entirely bit. sure about that what i know about it is that they're they have a subscription service um wherein you can uh, basically you get the uh, monthly issues digitally rolling into your inbox or however digitally they, they serve them. And then it's like 20 bucks uh, US. Um, oh, okay. And so you get all, all, I think five, I assume for most of these arcs of between, you know, four and seven issues, depending, but for Nottingham, it was all five issues uh, for 20 bucks. And then they'll send you the physical trade when it releases, uh, which is great. Like yeah, just a solid. great deal. Um, that's a solid deal. That way you don't get spoiled uh, by people raving about it on the internet, but you also get the trade when it comes out to sit on your shelf. Uh, and you know what really like 
five extra bucks to get all five single issues digitally pretty great like yeah. pretty great well i mean some <laughs> I mean, I know, like sorry for some people but i mean some people were paying that for individual issues like uh because the, the hype was so big and and like the ebay tax and stuff like i mean people were shelling out people were shelling out the bucks to get uh to get <laughs> yeah. some of your guys's comics um which i mean that's I, I i just i feel like part of that would be like you feel like guilty about like watching it and you're like uh, you're like oh look look what's happening to my book and then you're like oh look what's happening to my book i feel like like, it, like yeah, yeah in one sense it's an ego boost but in another sense you kind of want people to get it in their hands like yeah. you don't want it to be hard for people to get yeah um but you know you can never really plan for these things that's the nature of indie comics and certainly uh, you know i don't think Matt cave realized that we were gonna five printings that's insane <laughs> um but yeah it's like uh, it got to the point where the printer couldn't actually keep up with us and that's wow. the that's a pretty scary thought um yeah so <laughs> that's where we're at <laughs> Well, now the printers can't keep up with anybody. Like everywhere's out of paper now, like for a totally different reason. But um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of my uh, like you know friends of the show and stuff are doing kickstarters, and and that's like the new fear right now is like uh, all the new kickstarters are like oh god, like. But I think a lot of people understand that too. Um, you know, there's yeah. a, there's a paper shortage. Uh, things things are weird, and, and we're still we're still in this weird supply chain world, hell man. like yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah look if i wanted to do a kickstarter right now and i think generally for a first kickstarter i try to do it digital only i have this like big plan of like if i do a kickstarter to do the single issues as digital only um and then to do the trade as like uh, a paper trade if i ever did a kickstarter that way that's what i would do um or to do it in such a way as you kickstart the trade but you have a level of a tier that where you can do like a subscription like the way mad cave does it where oh, yeah. each individual issue when it's done you can get it directly to your inbox um and then when the trade comes out, we we you know we'd send it to you when we fulfilled everything. That yeah. that would be the other way to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's I have a lot of ideas about it. <laughs> I mean, I th I think that's a good idea. The 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 digital only Kickstarter is starting to be a thing, um, which I kind of appreciate. And and I keep telling myself like to support more Kickstarters. I'm going to back digitally so I can like get more of them. Um, and I keep like. <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy who's like i back digitally and then people like post the pictures of them getting the books in the mail and then i'm dming the, the you feel real bad. yeah i'm like i'm like hey you guys got extra copies because turns out i want that too and so i yeah. sometimes i buy them twice but like um uh kevin cuff and bob france with dust pirates you know they they the day one backers uh or as soon as you back the kickstarter you got the first 20 pages like the first chapter essentially yeah um and then um, my, my buddies, uh, Tony, oh, my buddies are, I mean, they're just people I like they're, we're not like friend friends, but friends of the show, I guess. I don't know. I call, I, you're, you're my friend. I respect now. that. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my comic pals, uh, but grabs people. You're my friend now. <laughs> yeah, like, sorry. <laughs> like we, you came on the show now, you know, there's, there's a, we're, 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 we're pod buddies. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're pod people is what we are. That's what it is. Uh, weird, weird yeah. alien. And things grown and now and nerds uh but anyway uh but like they they uh tony gregory and david crispino have one going right now for uh ancient noise and there there's um they did one for every issue 
And now you can either like the, on the final issue five, you can either get like the, the fifth issue or you can just pony up for the whole trade. So it's kind of cool to see Kickstarter evolving um, yeah. in, in, in different ways. And, and just to get people like, get people into it. I think it's exciting, man. Like the last year I got really into it. The only thing I don't like is that I wish they would take the money on right away. Cause it, it keeps coming. It's like, like the 15th and the 30th of the month, it turns out like Blake's got a new bill and it's like all these, <laughs> all these campaigns that I like, yes, 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 yes. And then like on the 15th, it's like, you owe us $200. And it's like, oops. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. I like. I have this other way, to, like, plan about how he's gonna do it, which you know, if it had worked, would have been great. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm like very nervous about doing it, which is to try and simulate monthly comics by doing this like three week Kickstarter for a digital only book, where you just like three weeks. Uh, for a Kickstarter on, on the fourth week, you push the book out and then you go another three weeks to the next issue. And on the oh, fourth wow. week, you push the book out that I like that. I just, I wanted to figure out a way where we could almost simulate like the hype of hype train of monthly comics by doing this for like four months in a row. Be like, this is like my weird, crazy brain ideas about how to do Kickstarters when in reality, that's not, <laughs> not going to happen for me at least for the next year. But um yeah, it's like changing how we think about comics and, you know, like you got people like um, like Scott Snyder and, uh, you know, James Tinian who are like doing like ways to release their books digitally and then like what, you know, why is Kickstarter, why should Kickstarter be any different? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Snyder has like this eight book deal at Comixology, but then all the print stuff goes through Dark Horse. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's fun. I, it's I get great. it though. Like I, I yeah. like it. Uh, first of all, like Comixology Unlimited is like, six bucks a month you get so much stuff and you get a discount on their sales not available in australia <laughs> <laughs> I, I just learned that yeah it's like not an international deal like uh it's really not... it's sad uh i think though that uh if you have a prime subscription you can get a lot of this stuff through kindle direct oh, okay uh, at least the comiXology originals i think you can get through kindle direct by being a prime subscriber, um, which is great. But like, I keep looking at Comixology Unlimited going, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, when, when DC launched their uh, DC Universe, uh, you know, before the shows went to HBO and stuff, I know like they kept saying like, well, the numbers aren't what we want them to be. And then the international like comic fans were like, let us give you money. So like, I'm yeah. sure it's, I'm sure it's like, but instead they decided stuff, to, but... yeah, it's right. The, the right situation is freaking wild here. Yeah. Um, uh, Rupert you're, Murdoch. Yeah, has, you're the you're the lawyer. Uh, like, Rupert you're... Murdoch has all of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The weird so basically, <laughs> basically, we have one really one cable television uh, service for the whole country. Um, oh wow! And the, yeah, and because of that, it owns the rights to a ton of things that would normally be on certain streaming services, but it but they can't be because uh, the rights are still with. Foxtel, which is the uh, the uh, you know Fox owned uh, <laughs> oh, okay one cable cable television outlet. So um, yeah, it's it's really difficult to to try and get some of these streaming services. And Fox 
has tried to kind of launch its own services to mixed success. Um, but now we're almost at a point where we've got most things, but there are some shows where I'm like, I just like, I cannot physically get this show. And it's still wild to me that in 2021, I'm still trying to struggle to get some of these TV <laughs> shows. Um, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's, you know, pir pirating is like a terrible crime and stuff. And yet like, some some people like some people like downloading things illegally is the only way you have access to, to certain right? media like that that's you know that's pretty well and like it's been a problem in australia for a very long time like australia has been the poster child for this because <laughs> it's just impossible to get some of these shows <laughs> or it's impossible to get them fast enough to not be spoiled oh. and that's the other thing Whereas like a Game of Thrones is a big one uh, for a while where we would get it much later. Even a week is too long now. Yeah. It's just too long. Yep. Um, and we were getting these shows a week later or even like they would premiere in the States at what is 11 a.m. our time on a Monday, which is <laughs> it's about your time slot that you are now. Right. <laughs> um, and we would have to wait until that night to watch the show because it would come. That's when it would come out on Fox because mm. they're obviously trying to angle for the nightly ratings rather than airing it at, you know, in the middle of the day on a Monday when nobody's watching. Yeah. And so it wouldn't go up on digital until after that so it just like it's just this huge problem of like people getting spoiled during the day um it's absolutely like n it's just not not something that people can really stand at this point <laughs> yeah it is it is weird with like all the all our tech technological advancements and like everybody has super fast internet and everybody's got like a a 4k tv or not everybody but a lot of people have a 4k tv and like these you know laptops and tablets and phones and they can all do anything and it's like we should all like no one should have to like struggle for media consumption it's so weird that like it's a bummer yeah. too because my, my i have a buddy in canada it's it's the same deal in canada like a lot of hbo shows they they can't get until late unless they pay a lot of extra money for like a, a weird niche streaming service kind of thing and like yeah it's just i don't know it's, it's weird and 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 and, and people want to like complain about like ratings and enough people viewing but they don't let the large portions yeah. of the world watch it regularly like quit crying about it then if you're not if you're gonna like hide it from like the rest yeah, of the look, world I, I will say i have a lot uh a lot less sympathy for um for somebody who uh I, no, I, 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 I'll, I'll phrase this correctly. I, I have a small amount of sympathy for those who pirate because they have to, yeah. uh, but only for movies and television. That, that is the, the tiniest amount of sympathy I have <laughs> if you cannot get these things. Like, especially uh, now, and if you pirate comics, you're a monster. You are a monster. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no, that, yeah sc scum, of the, scum of the earth. Like, no, I've seen too many, too, especially with with the big two like if you don't get the numbers they're gonna they're gonna fucking drop you and not think twice about it and and then and then you see that these people like the, the files were shared like thirty thousand times and like all the potential sales lost and and then, and uh, yeah. then these books get dropped man it's it's real like it, you it, know it i i you know i saw the some of the numbers on nottingham um i've seen more of the pirated numbers than i have seen of the actual in print and digital sales numbers oh really and let me tell you <laughs> that like you know like this is this is a huge amount of money like yeah. this is not 
uh, it's not it's not a victimless crime when when you're talking about comics because the the distance between the amount of revenue that is gained from purchasing them and the creator is is you know is so it's it's so small compared to uh, compared to film and television mm. and and uh, back to what I'm saying especially now is because I can't go to a movie theater I just cannot I'm in lockdown yeah and so I have thankfully I threw I don't know some sorcery managed to avoid every single spoiler for Shang Chi um, <laughs> and I'm excited for that to come out on Disney Plus um, but I just I I have a lot of sympathy for people who are like stuck at home do not want this movie spoiled for them yeah um, and, and you know try to find a way to watch it like uh, we like I was very hopeful that with this HBO thing uh, and um, also with the uh like disney plus thing that we would get uh get some you know simultaneous releases um we're at a point where we're about a month off here in melbourne uh Mm. being able to maybe go to a cinema again um although that doesn't look super hopeful uh down here up in sydney um where i used to live there as of today they finally out of lockdown Um, oh really yeah (laughs) But yeah, I just, I look, I'm spoiled now, man. Like I, I like going to the movie theater, but like I would, too. I would also, I also kind of like uh, getting a pizza and sitting in a comfy oh, yeah. chair. And and then the the big part that I really like is like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom, or oh, my phone rings, or oh, my, like something. I maybe I just missed something, and I can rewind it real quick and be like, oh, that's what happened. Like that watching new movies at home just for that just to be able to pause and rewind and or maybe turn on subtitles like it's so nice and we've kind of gotten spoiled with that and now and, and like here they're starting to be like the the new movie advertisements are like oh in theaters and hbo whenever and then now the new ones are like only in theaters and i'm like damn it <laughs> like don't don't make me leave my house like i don't wanna <laughs> <laughs> um i uh i love uh, uh i love going to movies i love the ritual of it um yeah. just like i love the ritual of going to the comic store yeah um and so i'm feeling very deprived of that at the moment <laughs> um and like uh i had all plans of going to uh see suicide squad I found, so like I moved down here a couple of months ago and uh, I found out like a week before Suicide Squad came out that um, we were like, I have a drive-in theater up the road, uh, which is wild in the middle of the city in in, in, uh, in Australia. That doesn't like very rare because, <laughs> because like the amount of real estate you need. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I was super excited to do this. Um, and go to the drive-in, uh, book my tickets. So because of the way I moved down and the virus and whatever, uh, I had a two-week um, self-isolation period, came out of the self-isolation period going, great, let's go see this movie, had it booked. So I, I'm out of self-isolation on the Sunday, had it booked for the next weekend. <laughs> By Thursday, we were back in lockdown. I'm oh, like, no. God damn it. <laughs> 
Um, but like I, that has been this virus this whole time since yeah, pretty much weird. it started. Like it's just, and I shouldn't really complain because it's like not the hugest thing, but it's really been stifling me <laughs> doing <laughs> just about anything. Um, like I had flights booked and everything and a pro pass for Emerald City Comic Con in 2020. And that was the kind of the first big show casualty default <laughs> COVID. Yeah. And like, I was going to go a bit earlier and like see some friends and like do a bit of, you know, actual vacationing before going to the con. And I saw like the virus news just keep getting worse and worse. I was like, I'm not going to go. And then like a week later, everybody else was like, yeah, we're not going to go. And then mm. like a couple of days after that, the con got canceled and everything went to shit in, in like in the state of Washington as well, which, <laughs> <laughs> which was not so good. But um, yeah, it's like, it's, I had all plans of like doing a whole bunch of like comics related traveling last year. Um, because I kind of had the bandwidth to do it uh, with work. Uh, and, you know, now I don't, but, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully uh, we should be able to leave the country by the end of the year. That'd be exciting um, because we haven't been allowed out since <laughs> beginning of March yeah. last year. Yeah. I, I know you guys, I, it's, it's interesting to see other countries like get strict with it. And I, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, Cause I've, I mean, we, I've, I've seen what happens when like you don't, you know, and when you take masks in the States of you, I, I don't think I asked. I'm in Kansas. I'm in right in the middle. I'm in Kansas city, Missouri. So I'm like smack dab in the middle. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't, I, 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 I work like I, the only good thing that came out of everything is like, I love working from home. Like, wow. Like I just, <laughs> yeah, it's so too. cool. It's so like, it's they, and then they kind of were talking about bringing us back in, like one week a month so that our team can, we can like see our team and, yeah. and then like Delta went crazy. And I, I voiced my opinion. I, like they sent this like return to work survey and there was a time. So like we're working from home and two of my coworkers were fully vaccinated. And at one time, like three people on my team had COVID like just like a, one person got it t a second time vaccinated and i'm just like oh, i'm like i don't want to go see these people like i love my team they're cool people but like no like don't mm -hmm. put us in a room together if we don't have to be and the whole deal of like every week is going to be a different team in this one office and i'm just like that's you're asking for trouble like this is this is dumb and so they they were kind of like yeah we didn't really expect delta to, to be this big a deal so we're just going to keep working from home and um i i'm i'm in a pretty good area where i'm i'm very close to uh, the very like uh conservative kind of nasty side of everything where they're like i'm not gonna wear a mask you know like i'm next to that but in kansas city where everybody's pretty cool about it um when i go to the store yeah. everyone's masked up and and a lot of people got vaccinated and but yeah, it's, it's just, it's weird, man. And, um, I don't know, like, I, I, I think our country kind of shit the bed. Like we just did not Look, do uh, I don't think there was, you know, <laughs> other than New Zealand, I find it hard to believe that anybody, Yeah, and I think Viet Vietnam were pretty good about it, uh, because they had like already been through SARS. Yeah. And so they were like super prepared, um, for this. Uh, but I don't think there's any country who's really handled this well. And I could deliver you a good hour on the ways in which Australia has really failed uh, uh, 
to like and gotten so self-confident to the point where it was inevitable that they were going to screw up um <laughs> which is even worse uh in my opinion but there's just so many ways in which this has been bungled yeah uh, but and it all the way from the top so uh, from a like from a real constitutional law perspective all the way from the top <laughs> why this is terrible um but we're finally like after a completely bungled vaccine rollout um we're finally almost in a place where we can start opening up i really hope they approve the boosters pretty soon for mm. uh for public use because it's gonna like otherwise we're gonna be back in the same situation yeah that's that's and one thing we we're doing better is the, is the booster deal like i think my parents can already get it or can get it in the in the next couple weeks i think i i like some i, I know a couple people that have already like the, the people that got their vaccine like really early when it was hard to get um they're starting to get boosters now um and then like me like when i got i got my vaccine because we uh i just our grocery store had walk-ins and so i was like you know that's that's like super wild to me because our vaccine rollout has been so restricted uh that the idea and like now now it's finally been now at a point where you can walk into like the pharmacy and 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 get get a vaccine but it was so restricted for a very long time Mm -hmm. um and we had problems where we ordered way too much AstraZeneca and not enough Pfizer because we were confident that we could produce AstraZeneca here. And then the news came out about the blood clots and the government didn't handle that well. And the first uh, vaccine that they got, which they delivered to the over 70s, was the Pfizer one, which, of course, the messaging is if you are under 50, you shouldn't be taking the AstraZeneca. That was the yeah. first. Now it's like everyone take it, whatever. Um, but with a blood clot issue, they were I really didn't want to get into this, but here we go. <laughs> and, and like the the inevitable result was that the the vaccine that was appropriate for the under fifties got given to the over seventies, and what was left was offered to the rest of us. Mm. And eventually, we got more doses of Pfizer, and I managed to get Pfizer. But like, it's, it's <laughs> just like I, the levels of incompetence are just so wild and. Uh, yeah, it's, and, it's it, and the worst part was that it was all like haggling with Pfizer that co- that caused this. <laughs> they tried to they tried to haggle with Pfizer, and Pfizer was just like, "Okay, like we got plenty of other places to sell this thing. If you don't want to pay it at our price, that's fine." <laughs> like we're talking dollars, like dollars per dose. Like it's it's wild <laughs> to me that like from from a perspective of we need to get our our nation back working that you wouldn't just pay the extra dollars because the math <laughs> adds up like the math adds up. <laughs> just don't understand it um but anyway <laughs> i could go on forever about this um and it's not it's not actually super interesting to anybody i feel like it's just it's just depressing um so <laughs> i feel like we should we should leave that one uh where it is um I just, I just think it's a bummer. Like, I mean, I, I, like, I feel like when you're with the success that Nottingham had just, just at this point, yeah, like, like you mentioned, like wanting to travel and like make a vacation out of it. But like, 
I mean, dude, you if you guys were at a con table, like you're gonna have one of the rock star con tables. Like you're gonna have lines of people waiting to meet you, get stuff signed, be really hyped about it. You know, like be at the be at the big mad cave table. Like as and as you know, like this is your first comic and like all the success it had and like to like. I mean, if just the if there wasn't a fucking pandemic, like yeah, yeah. you know, like I mean, Absolutely. you could have like had that comic rock star life, man. Like I, I and like and I, I, I almost you get did that have, later. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I haven't even had a signing for this book. Oh I man, I haven't That's even crazy. had a signing for this book. Um, and there are signed copies out there. Um, uh, I'll I'll shout out. Um, uh, there should still be some left. I cannot confirm it. Um, but uh, King's Comics, uh, just Google it. King's Comics in Sydney, Australia. They have a bunch of signed copies, including uh, some graded copies as well that are signed by me. Um, they're really lovely. They ship internationally. Um, they're you know I I think they're either an they should be a nom like an Eisner nominated store. I feel like if they aren't, someone's kidding themselves. Fantastic <laughs> store, um, and you should definitely go check out their online store if you want signed copies of Nottingham by signed by me. Um, they won't be signed by Shane, but I'm pretty sure you could if you uh, if you message Shane, you could find out where signed where copies signed by Shane can be found because I guarantee you there's probably some out there. Um, yeah, if you want, so if you want signed copies, King's Comics, um, I believe it's just kingscomics.com.au. Oh, sorry. Kingscomics.com. Nice.com. Not.com.au. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's insane to me that you haven't even like had a sign. We, we had plans, <laughs> um, and they kind of all went to shit, uh, when this latest Delta outbreak happened here. Mm. Cause, um, so we would have done, I would have been signing books at, uh, at, uh, Pax Australia, which would have been lovely, um, and a bunch of others like smaller cons as well. Um, but yeah, you really can't you can't predict this virus. That's the the only thing you can predict is that it's going to screw up your plans because yeah. that's what it's <laughs> going to do. Because I had all intentions of doing Emerald City in 2020, then uh, doing um, New York in 2020 and then trying to do New York again this year. Um, and I've just been having like convention FOMO all weekend. Um, <laughs> and I've heard other people like, we don't have FOMO cause like the virus, but I guess from my perspective, you know, I haven't really done one. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. And it looks like a ton of fun. And also <laughs> a bunch of friends were there and like, uh, you know, hopefully next year if it's on the cards. Um, I've vaguely been planning next year, uh, spending like a, a, a little while in the States if I can um, and doing a bit of traveling and maybe signing at some stores if I can manage to wrangle that. But nice. it's all up in the air at the moment. And I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to set expectations for myself because I will <laughs> obviously be disappointed. And if I don't set the expectation, then hopefully I won't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's best to, it's best to be safe. And like, I understand like people not wanting to take risks, but yeah, that's, that's just a bummer, man. Just because of all the success and craziness that Nottingham had, like that you would, you would be one of the tables to be at you know like to, to like meet you guys and talk about it and like i mean i i, I would be fucking stoked to like get get signed copies from you guys and just you know yeah. but i mean I, not everybody has like a podcast outlet you know and like i like i said like i'm lucky like i get to do this and 
but you know, it's a lot of people don't. And, and it's just like, you know, that the nerd life is sometimes it's just like, you're in a vacuum, uh, you know, screaming into the void. And, and luckily we have the internet, you know, and we can, you know, uh, yeah. find people and groups of stuff on there. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's a new weird world. And I mean, yeah, I locked lockdown was weird. And I, I, I feel bad a lot of times. Cause like a lot of stuff happened for me during lockdown that, I mean, that that's why we're talking was because yeah. I was working from home and I, I launched the blog and then creators started talking to me and then I started podcasting. And I mean, that all happened just cause I was like at home with not a lot to do. And I started getting to know these creatives and stuff, you know, and so like I I lucked out, but and I don't know why. I it's not like I really deserve it or anything, but <laughs> maybe I, do. you, I don't know. you're doing a great job. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. No, but this is such a thing, right? Uh, as a creative person, you like, especially I think uh, it's also a generational thing um, where you like this this kind of uh, modesty that you can't you force on yourself, and you're like, no, mm. you have to you have to take a few steps back and say, look. I'm good at what I do. I don't, and it's not arrogance to say that I'm good at what I do. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's part of doing the job and, and like the, 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 the thing that I learned, the worst, the worst thing you can really do is do like as a comics person is do that to an editor is to be like, yeah, I'm like, man, my, like my book's all right. It's doing all right. Like <laughs> you just, just like, don't be afraid to sell yourself. You know, you're not yeah. selling out, you're selling, you're, you're being an advocate for yourself. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. And I don't think that, you know, it's some kind of moral failing. Um, it's like taken me a while to really like dr drill that into my own head. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, if you're not prepared to back yourself, nobody else is going to. That's true. Yeah. That's, and I, I, it just, it just weirds me out. Like I said, I, I just never thought I would be in a position to, uh, I mean, let, let's just put this interview as an example for, for me to reach out to this writer that really impressed the shit out of me and a comic book that like blew me away and to be like, Hey, this is cool. Like, will you talk to me about it for a couple hours? And then to, to not only have you say yes, but be excited about it. Like it's, Dude, I'm, I'm, still not, it. I'm still not used <laughs> to it, man. It's crazy. Like, no, and like, that's, it's also weird because, you know, I don't, I don't think of myself as like, as that I think of myself as, you know, me, I don't like there's, there's, there's <laughs> such a weird disconnect between how people see, you know, the person who has produced this thing that they love and the actual reality that is the person you know and <laughs> and that's what we've been talking about when we, we were talking about before uh, like listening to people get interviewed on word balloon right uh you look at you look at tom king's work and you don't think he like this dude makes fart jokes and whatever <laughs> you're just like <laughs> it's like wow this dude is like super cerebral and introspective and uh you know as it turns out he's a human like the rest of us surprise yeah <laughs> well and just just um, knowing yeah. his like background like he's like was in the cia he was like in afghanistan he has all this like like he he has this like crazy origin wild. story right and he's Absolutely goofy he's like a goofy wild. nice guy like, yeah shout out to tom king come on the show anytime i know you're listening yeah you <laughs> invite me on if you do that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I always so I can know. sing his praises directly <laughs> to him. I um, always know, like, I'm going to get along with someone if they also say that they dig Tom King's writing. Because so many people, like, he he kind of, like, has, like, a split. A lot of people... Yeah, like, he's quite he, polarizing. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I love it. And, and it's, like, I try to keep my mouth shut when people are like, man, and then, like, the whole deal of, like, back... Like, what, the fact that he had to have a bodyguard because people were, like, threatening to kill him because because of Catwoman leaving Batman at the altar. Like, oh my God, it's just disgusting. And it bummed I'm just me like, out. Also, if anyone didn't have the foresight to see that as the inevitable conclusion, yeah. like, like, I don't want to be like, you're not a comics fan, but like, come on. <laughs> and there will be a day when, you know, Bendis' uh, Superman, uh, everybody stops knowing that Clark Kent is Superman. Like there mm. will, will be a day when that goes back in the bottle. Yeah. It's inevitable. Um, so I, I just like, it's, it's comics. Like things are going to get reset in a good two or three years. Just chill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, I just, yeah, look, th- there's some things that legitimately people should get worked up over. Um, that one, not a big one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like, I see a lot of people just like railing on creators about decisions that story decisions that they may or may not have made, you yeah. know, some things it's especially with big two stuff editorial goes do this thing um and you can't really say no (laughs) yeah yeah it's part of the game Um, yeah sometimes it's like instead of saying no you should be like all right well if i'm doing this thing you are hiring a sensitivity reader um but (laughs) you know who knows what goes on behind the scenes maybe these things are sensitivity read we don't know um but yeah look suffice it to say making comics is super hard um and there is a difference between making a mistake, uh, a thing that makes sense for the story, and uh, you know, genuinely being an abhorrent person. And the the distance between the first two things and the last thing is very big. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I just don't. I I won't even as like from a as a comic reviewer. Like if I don't like something, I don't cover it. Like I don't. I have no desire to be negative about a comic uh, for clicks, which aggravates me because on the internet, if you're mean and negative, you do get a little more traction and you do garnish a little more attention, which I think is kind of bullshit. But like, I don't, I don't want that. Like I, I yeah. have no desire to, to, to trash a comic, um, you know, wh- wh- whether it's, it's politics or just bad storytelling or bad art, you know, like I just won't talk about it. And I feel like not covering stuff, you know, as uh, from a press point, I, I mean, that says a lot too. Like if, if I'm not going to mm-hmm. talk about it, then guess what? The people that follow me and take my recommendations, like they're going to know that I'm not referring it. Um, I never understood like people uh, like tagging people on Twitter and social media. Please don't. And, yeah, <laughs> like, don't. So, can I just have an aside on this? Please <laughs> do not. Please do not tag creators in bad reviews. Just exactly. don't do it. Yeah. Like why? Like, you can release your bad review. <laughs> there is literally zero reason to tag the creator unless you are trying to make someone feel bad. Yeah. And there's a difference between constructive criticism and just being just being an asshole. All right. <laughs> so if you want to release your constructive criticism that's fine if we as creators want to see it we will go looking for it Mm -hmm. but i guarantee you there is somebody who is telling us already that particular thing yeah or who has told us and we've made a forensic decision to to say no look we we've committed to this or 
we have the conviction to see whatever this is through. And yeah, and like I can make clear that like the different storytelling decisions just wildly different from say, um, for example, uh, you know, recent issues with say, you know, Joe Bennett on um, on uh, the Hulk book. Oh, Immortal Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. There's like a huge difference between like Catwoman leaving Batman at the altar and like subliminally putting anti-Semitic messages in your in your art. <laughs> like there's like such a vibe. People just get people just cannot see the difference between those two things. It's like, come on, people, come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm under the impression that a lot of nerds are just never happy. Like I I I don't talk about um i don't talk about comic book movies much i don't talk about disney plus stuff as much because people get really passionate and mean about it um yeah and, and i'm i'm getting a bigger following now too and and i'm i'm still new enough at this like i interact with everybody and get excited when people and i don't want i don't want that negativity like i work really hard to like put out a positive vibe and and have positive people like in my social circles both um real life and uh digitally and like i don't want people fucking that up man <laughs> like no thank you <laughs> like, yeah like, yeah like absolutely listen to agree. The podcast, and, and, but don't be mean about yeah. it <laughs> yeah and i think there's a there's a real difference between uh cultivating an echo chamber right you don't want people who constantly agree with you on everything yeah but you also do. You also want people who are like wanting to help you succeed, so that if they, if you're like, if uh, you know, you make a mistake, uh, someone's like, oh, like, hey, Blake, like this thing, maybe not so great. Really like this, this, and this. Yeah, there's a big difference between that to say, like, <laughs> to saying, Blake, you're an absolute monster because you did this. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. I, well, I feel like if if all you have is like a. Uh, 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 like a accumulation of sycophants, like that's that's how you become a supervillain. I'm pretty sure, like that's absolutely. Every, like, that's and I see you, it all the you time. Be evil, <laughs> and that's like exactly that section of the comics community who shall remain nameless. That's what I see there. It <laughs> yeah. is literally like that sycophantic kind of culture around one particular person. It's wild. Yeah, it's, it's wild nuts, to man. me. <laughs> um, uh you know but i guess that's you know how you get nazis that's yeah. how you get nazis um, yeah i mean it's, <laughs> yeah you just can't they just don't they don't go away i mean and again that's that's another reason why i try and stay really positive in the community is because uh you know like uh yeah a lot of the world is in lockdown uh covid fucking sucked you know a lot of people died we lost people uh you know there's just bad shit happens every day man and and i would love to be a reason to help people distract them from the madness, whether it's by listening to the podcast for a couple hours or reading a review and picking up a comic and finding something new, you know, I would rather be that than, yeah. than, than like some edge Lord with, with like a, a, with a million hot, hot takes. takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no thank you. I'm, I'm only you know. fun hot takes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean that, I mean, that that's the one bad thing about the internet. Um but like I said, if if you work if you if you try and put in a little bit of extra effort, like the people around you will see that and and you'll attract the right people, you know? Like uh both the, as a content creator, as a writer artist, you know, if if you're just not an asshole, it's amazing how the world changes when you're just not an asshole you know and it's, yeah, it's funny it's crazy yeah. we still have to explain this to people but you know here yeah we are. <laughs> yeah look i mean like the idea that 
like not to go back on this COVID stuff, but I thought in Australia we'd be like a little bit insulated from this like crazy uh, anti-vax, uh, anti-lockdown nonsense. Mm-hmm. But wow, was I wrong? Um, and there are just like like for some reason neo-Nazis have just like latched onto that movement like mm. a cancer. And uh, and oh my god, we had a huge protest here in Melbourne. Uh, which was pretty scary and wow. like just full, full of, full of fucking Nazis. Just, I just, it's just so wild. Yeah. Like, it, it, in one sense, you know, you shouldn't be surprised, but in another sense, um, fucking. I'm surprised there was a fucking world war that they were defeated. Like the good people sort of won. Like, why is this happening again? Like I get his, I get, like, I get history repeats itself, but some parts of history can get fucked, man. Like we don't yeah, need this yeah. anymore. It's done. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, I get it. I, it shocked me too. Cause I thought it was like a, a, a dumb, ignorant American thing. And then I started seeing it happen in, in other areas of the world. And I was just like, God, what is it's, it's, wrong it's, with it's, yeah, it's it's just part of it's it's like a huge part of of uh you know this like the the increasing divide but you know between classes uh, and it inevitably comes to bite us in the ass and then we go you know in this weird cyclical kind of loop um which you know tracks back all the way to medieval nottingham and <laughs> call back we, was... we, we, we got there <laughs> but like it, it, it's it's you know and and like that's a lot of the stuff that i talk about in this book is like there's a lot of my feelings on on uh, on that um in part like you know ev is a parable for you know the dangers of centrism but then like all of the other characters are like uh you know lessons about how <laughs> extremism is horrible in any in, <laughs> in any respect <laughs> and yeah it's just like uh i've like i'm excising a lot of my feelings on that uh through nottingham and volume two is like a whole level deeper on that um and part of that is this like my my theories about why ev has been treated so badly by history and i'm i'm like really excited to talk about that <laughs> and it's really frustrating to be like in the midst of writing this thing and not be able to talk about it until november next year or <laughs> like just before november next year but um i guess uh to to like briefly t- since, since i didn't know that that announcement was going to hit uh already i yeah i thought we were going to have to wait until next year to talk a little bit more about the plot of volume two um but uh, for those who don't know, Volume Two is like subtitled "The King's Ransom," and we dive directly into um, the kidnapping of Richard the Lionheart on his way back from the Crusades. He gets kidnapped uh, by uh, Holy Roman Emperor Henry the Sixth. Um, and for those who don't know, the Holy Roman Emperor is actually uh, another name for. Uh, the German ruler of the time, the German Kaiser. So this is actually what, who the man who we remember as Holy Roman Emperor Henry VI uh, is actually also remembered as Kaiser Heinrich. Um, and so he's basically, you know, the king of Germany at the time. 
um, and he kidnaps uh, um, Richard the Lionheart, and through some political machinations, uh, Ev is kind of strong-armed into going and delivering the ransom of uh, 100,000 uh, pounds of silver, which is like uh, more than the GDP of uh, of the entirety of Britain at the time. <laughs> like, it's a huge amount of money. Um, and, uh, you know, like Prince John is like the person who has effectively made it so that Ev is the one to go and deliver the ransom because he wants, he's been strong-armed by other people and there's like, there's just a whole lot of like politics bearing down on Ev going on this mission and his only ally uh, in trying to actually deliver the ransom and rescue the king because he's been charged with this on pain of death uh, is none other than Robin himself. And with Ev and Robin out of town, uh, our dear lady Marion is going to have a little bit of fun with the remainder of Nottingham's residents. <laughs> <laughs> so is it going to be, um, is it going to be, I don't know if you can talk about this or not. Is it going to be like structured uh, to where, to where like it bounces back from like Nottingham to the, to the voyage to the uh, like. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. So it, it, there's, there's going to be two parallel plot threads in here. We're going to look at uh, Ev's journey uh, there and back again to rescue the King uh, with Robin in tow. And then we're going to look at what Marion's doing to Nottingham. Uh, and she's, you know, she's striking out on her own a little bit. Uh, um, and she's co-opting some of, uh, I guess, some of Robin's resources while he's away. Uh, and it leads to a whole lot of chaos, a whole lot of blood, uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe, I guess, a new direction, uh, a new Nottingham uh, when when uh, our heroes, heroes eventually return. <laughs> so um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a strange strange little adventure i think uh and a bit of a different turn they'll still be like it's still very much uh at heart you know a detective story with ev as the lead so there'll be there'll be a lot of mystery solving on the way um to rome uh and back again um but oh boy does uh, that do we do so we take cool. do we take some new new directions uh which uh, you know i'm pretty excited for uh, i'm excited like literally like tingles like um that sounds so awesome man um yeah oh i'm so excited uh what about what about length like are you guys are you gonna stick with like a five so story it's another five issues giving... yeah okay. five issues if i wanted more i could have asked for it i think but uh i think five made sense um and you know hopefully this one sells out we get another volume because i would love another volume um i'm you know i have an inkling that you know that'll all work out the way it's meant to um nice but I, you know, I have I have a bunch of Nottingham stories in my head, spinoffs, uh, uh, different things that I'd like to do with it. Um, and you know, it's just it's just on the readers to be like, you know, to believe in me as much as they believed in me already. Um, and so that way, I can give you more Nottingham. Well, I'll I'll be pressing for that. <laughs> Bet your ass, sir. I'll be pressing yeah, for just that. Knock, <laughs> knock, knock down. No, no. I, I don't want to say this, but you know, like, just knock down um, Mark London's door and just you know keep howling for it uh, because. <laughs> 
it no, it helps. It helps in so many ways, you know, boost my ego, which I love, but also like it, it charges <laughs> me with creative energy to be like, okay, people love this and I want to deliver them something that they will love uh, because they are, you know, they are forking over their hard earned money for this. So I want, I want to make it an enjoyable, as enjoyable as I possibly can. Definitely. Um, and I, I just, as a, as a comic consumer, like I want to keep your creative batteries charged, man. Cause I, I think you have a really great I voice. And, and I, I want, I want more Nottingham, but I would, I would love to see you like get weird with some other indie books, you know, just, just to see oh. what else, what else you got in the tank, you know? <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, plenty in the tank. Uh, you know, I've said this on Twitter. I'm like, including Nottingham, I'm writing four different books at the moment. Um, it's pretty wild. Um, you know, I'm working with publishers who I'd never thought I'd really, well, a publisher at the moment who I never really thought I'd have access to in my wildest dreams. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I assume that, you know, hopefully more is going to come of that from that publisher and other publishers. It's just about, you know, a lot of this, this job is also waiting, uh, which, you know, I can respect at the other end because also you guys as consumers <laughs> spend a lot of time waiting. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super excited for all the things that are coming and I wish I could talk about them now, but <laughs> no, I get, I get it. I get it. Um, but so, I mean, so David, I've, 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 I've chatted you up for two hours, man. I, I know, yeah. I know you got, I know you got your Monday in front of you and I got the Sunday night in front of me. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will. Um, I, this was so cool, dude. Like I didn't, I just looked and saw it was set, like seven my time. I was like, Holy shit. We've been talking for two hours. Yeah. Look, uh, I, 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 you know, any chance to talk about comics and I'll just, you know, rattle on for <laughs> as long as you need me to. Um, uh, and it's nice to be like wholly awake when doing that, you know, instead of, you know, being the, bleary-eyed 2am 3am 4am dancing monkey <laughs> the, the, um, the, the, the official mad cave live stream where, where, <laughs> and it's like yeah. three o'clock in the morning that's funny um i that is that is interesting i i because i wouldn't even i don't think about time zones man i just imagine like everybody's it's, it's everybody's daylight. awake and asleep at the same yeah, time yeah right like, it's like it's like a variant of like you imagine that you the teachers live at the school like <laughs> <laughs> exactly um well well david real quick just to kind of you know the the polite podcast host thing to do is for me to ask you where's the best place to find you on the internet where's a good place to uh to get to know you to get to see what you're putting out for any kind of releases any kind of newsletter stuff you got going on like where's a good where, where can we find you at bud yeah um the best place to find me is on twitter really that's where all my comics news goes uh so twitter.com slash david t hazan uh is the best place to find me but also my website www.davidhazan.com uh is also frequently updated um i need to get better at that um i have a newsletter but it is it is in need of a bit of a revamp so it's probably a watch this space until next year and i can start talking about the things that i can talk about mm. next year um, at which time I'll try to do that a little more regularly because 
with juggling uh, writing four books now is with the day job is a bit difficult. But once I'm promoting those books, uh, I want to like obviously give them their due and therefore do want to um, make sure that I have a functioning newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a um, four books in a day job, man. That's a lot. But I am really excited about that too. Cause I, like I said, I am uh if, if your name's on a cover, I'm going to buy it. Like, I'm just, I'll just say Thank that you. right now. I, I appreciate that. And, and yeah, if, if, uh, remember, remember Blake's buzz, uh, when you're needing, <laughs> or when you're going on your, your press tour for your new books, I'd love to have you back on to every, talk every time, you know, like I could sit here and talk for another two hours. If you, if, you know, if, if, if there weren't other pressures, I like, it's very enjoyable, you know? Well, I appreciate it's, that. It's I, much more enjoyable sometimes because, <laughs> because like I'm dreading actually, you know, going and sitting down and writing sometimes so that's really <laughs> nice to just, like get that comics energy without expending the like the effort of actually like doing the creative work <laughs> <laughs> i can see that yeah it's i, I mean we're writing writing is, is a tax sometimes you know so sometimes, sometimes you gotta sometimes you put a little bit more it's on always a tax in nottingham um <laughs> Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm sorry. It was, it was no, just there, and I just it's, took it's, it. We got, we got to. I mean, that's that's why we're here. We all, we got to come. We got to come back to Nottingham, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This, I, I hope you enjoyed getting to hear us talk as much as I enjoyed talking to David Hazan. If you haven't read Nottingham, you've got to buy this fucking book. It is phenomenal. It is. It's 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 raw and it's violent and it's got a really intriguing message uh, mixed within about the haves and have nots. It's it's a it's a risk taking in regards to storytelling. Uh, and it's just every page is is mind blowing. Every issue leaves you. uh it stays with you once you close the covers and that's what great literature does. And that's what we are here to celebrate is great literature. Folks, comics are sick. And David Hazan is the cure. David, this <laughs> was so cool, man. Like, thank you so much for coming on my show. I got, this is awesome. Without a doubt, not a problem. My pleasure. <laughs>